Welcome to Two Old Bulls. My name is Tom and I'm joined by my partner Paul. Together we have 35 years of combined sales and management experience. On Two Old Bulls, Paul and I will interview a variety of guests from all types of backgrounds. Our goal is to entertain, inform, and help you grow in whatever you do. So welcome to Two Old Bulls. Now let's get started. So, Paul, good morning. How you doing, Tom? Hanging in there. Had a good week. Uh, a little rainy, but uh, cool, actually. But in Tulsa, it's a little chilly. But uh, all in all, really good. How about yourself? Pennsylvania was kind of sunny. Today, we got a little bit of a, a forecast of rain going. But uh, otherwise, it's been a good week. Busy. Business is uh good and challenging all at the same time. Yeah, I hear you. So today we're going to have a little bit of unique uh discussion and we've had a lot of damn good interviews uh as you know, but today it's going to be you and I, which two old bulls and uh and we're going to get after it. So today we're going to talk about how not to suck as a salesperson. Now, some of this stuff could be applied to other parts of your life, marriage or, you know, management, any element. If you really listen to what we're talking about today is how not to suck uh, is a relationship with another person, right? So you could apply these things to a lot of things. So we're going to focus on the sales piece, but uh, listen closely because I think most of these things are going to apply. So right out of the gate, I'm going to say uh, in my uh, history of being in sales 35 years, and you've been doing it longer than I have, is I like to say, you know, we go through training and we get all fired up on the product and we go into a customer and we verbally vomit on them about the product. And I have seen this over and over again, and you just are repulsed by it. And the salesperson has no idea, and they think they're doing their job. What do you think, Paul? You know what, Tommy? It's interesting you say that because I, I just uh, remember a lot of times when taking a young sales guy and going in to see a customer, you're, you're exactly right. It's kind of they want to sit down with an engineer or a purchasing agent, and it's almost like, Hey, I want to show you what I know that I know more than you. And, and obviously I think in the end that just comes back to haunt them. And when we get out of the, the meeting and we talk about constructive criticism, that's the first thing I, you know, you, you, you tell the young sales guy is listen, you don't need to show them what you know, right off the bat. You don't need, you need to listen. You need to find out what's going on. So what's uh, you got one. As far as an example. No, no, no. You got the next one. Yeah, you know, the next example, oh, how not to suck. Yeah, have some confidence, right? I mean, young sales guys sometimes go in, and I think the reason they verbally vomit is because they're nervous and they don't have confidence. And I remember one of the old boys telling me a long time ago, he says, you know, Paul, he said, I went into a guy, he said, and I sat down, I handed him my business card, he took it, he ripped it up and threw it over his shoulder. He said, then I showed him a product sample. He said, he took my product sample, opened the window, threw it out the window. 
He said, the next thing he did is I gave him my line card. He said he lit it on fire. Oh. And then the old boy looked at me and he says, you know what, Paul? That doesn't mean he didn't like me. Uh, Have some confidence. Have well, some- what's interesting about the confidence, think about the confident people that you know. Okay, so I think you're a confident person, but you're not cocky confident. You're just you know, you're comfortable in your own skin. So you're not saying, Paul, I know you, you're not saying go on there and be cocky and be some, you know, badass or whatever. You're saying have self-belief, have, know who you are, know that you add value to people in their lives. And then, you know, you're a good person. That That's what you mean, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a key, a, a strong key. And sometimes, you know what, you, you've got to take that confidence in what you know that you could solve something and you've got to switch it around. I think one of the best things I got from a consultant once is he said, you treat a customer, you want to use what they call the, the bow tie method, right? So if you look at a bow tie in the middle, you've got that narrow knot. So that's you meeting with the purchasing guy or the engineer. And then what you want to do is turn that around where more people in your company touch more people in there. As example, and I'll give again, I, I, you, you know me, the old guy, I've got to give the old examples. I was a service engineer for a company for seven years. So, you know, I troubleshot the product. I went out and prototyped. I, I actually built the product at one time in the lab. So my first year into sales, I go into a new customer. He's going to build a brand. It was an aerial ladder fire truck. And I'm sitting there with the, uh, the the chief engineer and we're talking and he's saying, well, what product would you put on it? And I started going through. I said, you know, as a suggestion, and I started leading him down this. And he goes, you know, Paul, he said, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to somebody more technical because you're a sales guy. And yeah. you know what? I didn't get offended by that. I said, you know what? You're right. I said, let me do this. I'm going to schedule to bring one of our service engineers in and we're going to sit down with you and go over this. Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive, right? So that goes back to self-belief. You can't take it personal. You can't get defensive. Uh, by the way, can you tie a bow tie? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I, no. That's this tough. Okay, so the next one I've got is you know less than the customer. Like you, you basically go in and realize you haven't studied and under you haven't you haven't looked at the situation and evaluated the core technology core technology that you are representing in other words you haven't earned it you're going in there hey you know what i can heck and i can wing this and then the the, the customers just looking at you and you have no no credibility so yeah, we we both compete. We have competition, and I hear these stories about. Well, we lost the order. Uh, and why'd you lose the order? Ah, oh, the price. You know, the price. We our price was too high, and I'm like, really? The price was too high. You go back and talk to the customer, and and I've done this a few times to try to understand you know, the post mortem of why why did we lose this? And most of the time. If you again, if you listen closely, they will say that the other uh, company, your competition, just kind of knew and exuded this consultative uh, approach that they realized they were a partner in the process of them choosing this core technology. And the one that are the people that lost just weren't able to really partner with this customer 
to understand the value proposition of what was important to them. So what I'm getting at is you have to, in my humble opinion, you have to have a passion for your core technology. You got to really study it and study it and study it until you get it. And I can tell you in my career, when I started out in any capacity, I would find somebody on the inside. You know, I, I don't know who that could be. It could be a service person, could be an engineer, somebody that was willing to be a coach to me and teach me. And I would call that person every day almost and say, listen, I'm clueless on this. What does this guy mean when he says blah, blah, blah? Oh, what he's talking about is this. And here's what you need to understand. So, I mean, find somebody, if you just started a new job and you're selling pencils or hydraulics or it doesn't matter, find somebody that's been there, done that, and can be your coach and mentor and really get you to a level so that when you sit down with a customer, they see you as an as an expert and you exude that confidence. What do you think, Paul? I think that you're you're exactly right on. I, not only that, Tommy, as I, I'm going to take it a step further, and it's easier today than it used to be. You need to know the value proposition of your competitor. What are they going to go in with? What you know? What what's going to differentiate you when you when you go into that situation? I, I absolutely agree. What's your next one? Oh, wow. You know, there's where do you start again, right? So when I talk about knowing your competition. You got to know your customer as well, right? And today it's a lot easier to do that than back when we started. You got the internet. The internet just as you you, you use the term term uh, sales guy vomiting up stuff. The internet's going to vomit up stuff on that company. You're going to be able yeah. to research and look at a product and study it, and and sometimes you'd be amazed what you can find out on the internet. Um, you know, I I I've found spare parts that uh, you can look at and say, hey. You know, these are things we can offer and do for you that uh, the customer may have not known about. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, think about being lazy, right? Yep. Uh, I remember Bill Clement talking about anything he did. If you listen to what he said, he busted his hump so that when he took on something, he kicked butt. And it's the same in anything in life, in sales or whatever. I used to coach. You got to know your competition. You got to know what you're up against. You got to know your personnel. You got to basically you want to win. So it's simple. If you want to win, what do you got to do? I got to know what the hell I'm talking about. I got to know my customer. I got to know what their needs are. And then all of a sudden it becomes simple, right? But what people try to do is they get overzealous. They get lazy. They don't study. They don't put the time in and they show up and they wonder why they're not getting orders. So you're, you're, there, there's no question. And what that falls into, in my, what we call this, is pre-call planning. That should be part of your pre-call plan. The night before or the early morning coffee, you study XYZ company and you get really down into the weeds of what are these people. You might find that the founder was... Joe Blow, whoever, and this you the person you're talking to is the grandson. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of important? 
Absolutely. Right. I mean, you might find out that, that, that they just bought a company that was bankrupt two years ago and they're trying to, I mean, you might find all kinds of stuff in there that would be just incredibly. And then this person that you're talking to, <laughs> Hey, you might impress them with the fact that you did take an interest in their business instead of just wanting to talk about your stuff all the time. So I think there's no question what you said was, was absolutely spot on. Okay. I've got one here. Um, and this happens. Oh my goodness. I see this all the time. It drives me crazy. People sell scared. They're, they've got a quota. They got a boss on them. They, their numbers are down and they, they just go in and they're anxious right out of the gate. And they're so consumed with, I've got to get the order. What do they do? They sell scared. What do you think, Paul? I absolutely agree. They, they, it, and it shows. A purchasing agent can sniff that out. An engineer can sniff that out. And, and again, it goes back to kind of that confidence if, that you and I were talking about. What's your next one? You know, we, we, I'm going to go back to the pre-call thing, right? How many times did we see, and it's, I'm, I'm not sure as much today, Tommy, as it was in the old days, but was the customer credit worthy? Did we do our homework? Did we know this customer was ready to be sold? Would they pass all the rules of engagement that our company wants uh, for a customer to fit into our portfolio? Yeah, that, okay, so that's that's excellent, I agree. Uh, not everybody, this is breaking news for some people out there, not every customer, not every market is a fit for your business. Some people shop at Walmart and some people shop at other high end places. And there's a reason there's different demographics and, and it's the same in any business to know what is your value proposition? Are you a transactional type commodity? Are you a solution provider? Uh, where do you stack up? What, what services do you offer? And then if you contrast that to the customer and understand their business, you'll see if they're a fit. So, but some customers don't need all the stuff that you are talking about and maybe it's not a fit. So uh, I think it's uh, a great point you're making. The other, the other side of this is, I've had salespeople get all excited and they, they get orders and then you look at the person's credit and they file for bankruptcy four times and they can't rub two pennies together. Right. So, you know, you're wasting your time. So a really good point. Okay. So let me pivot off of that. Uh, what about the post uh, sales call process? So, you go in, you do a great, great job. You connect with the person, your the value proposition. You're cooking with fuel. They're high fiving. The person takes a long time and gives you a plant tour, and you meet the staff, and you're excited. You get in your car, you go to the next appointment, and you do nothing. Follow up on that call. Tell, talk about follow up and post call. I think uh, you just hit the nail on the head. That's the failure of a lot of young sales guys. 
is that they do not do the follow-up. They just go in there, they try to do the hard sell and then walk away and hope the orders will flow in. You have to do the follow-up. I, Tommy, you know me as it, it, we've often discussed today, CRMs are very, very important to a lot of companies and I get it, you know, I, I do. But to me, I used to tell my, my team guys, I'd say, you know what, what's more important to me is the follow-up to the customer. When you get home and, and, and are back at the hotel that night or at the end of the week, whatever, to me, the most important part, everything's fresh in your mind. I want to see that follow up to the customer. Number one, thanking him for taking his valuable time. And then I want to see your action plan, both for what he said he would do and you said you would do. And I want to see it, 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 it put in an email. Yeah. That you're ready to go. Well, I was just thinking about this too, just in general, the overarching thing that I keep coming back to people on this planet spend more time planning their vacation than they do planning as a professional. And then they wonder why they're not successful. I mean, if you stop and think about it, I've seen people do this where they're, they, they don't put the work in and they expect to get results and the ones, the folks that I've seen that win, again, it's about if you want to win and you want to make money uh, in your profession, or if you want to be effective in anything you do. I mean, th listen, th listen, this is this is life. Whether it be, I've got to go talk to my daughter's principal about something that happened, or. And I'm a manager and I've got to go talk to the guy that keeps disrupting, you know, the, the, the team and the plant, or it could be, I've got a vendor you're, you know, you're in purchasing and you got a vendor that comes in and, and does some things. I mean, do your homework, think about it, do your pre-call, do your post. If we would just apply these principles in everything we do now, I understand life is not all about pre-call and post-call. We can't go through life. Hey, I'm going to have a pre-call plan. I'm going to go talk to my neighbor. It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you, even if it's something like that, if you just take 30 seconds and collect yourself, okay, what what's important here? I'm going to go over there and talk to this person, and I can't go in there and just start blasting him. Maybe I go over there, my body language, my tone, take my blood pressure down. Right, Paul? I mean, it's it kind of applies to everything, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It, it, it absolutely does. It, it, and that's sometimes the failures because we get in a hurry, right? We've got so much going on and, and we don't take that time to do that. So, so the other thing that, you know, I think, and Paul, you know, you've been around a long time and so have I. Uh, I think about the champions out there that I look at that they're just good. I'm like, man, this person just kills it. And one of the things too, that maybe is not obvious on the front end of, you know, how not to suck as a salesperson. It, let's take it a little deeper now. So uh, not blaming others, uh, having taken a, the position of accountability. Uh, don't play victim. Don't don't blame others. If something comes down, you lose the order, or uh, a customer is unhappy with your visit, or whatever the case may be. Don't look around. Just don't don't start blaming. Uh, take ownership of it. What do you think? 
you're the account manager, right? You're the key guy. You're the point guard. You're you're the quarterback. So absolutely, you've got to take that thing and 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 make sure that the process goes on. And when it fails, you got to take ownership. And part of that ownership means you got to take ownership. You I, I, the best thing I heard about a sales guy is the salesman controls the gap between the customer and his company, right? You're the guy that controls that gap, going both ways. So you need to take a charge of that. And when things are going well, absolutely. I find sometimes we forget to tell the customer how well we're doing, right? I mean, we hear about the NCRs and that one off, but sometimes we got to go into the customer and say, hey, you know what? At the end of the year, you go in with a report, say, I shipped you this many parts this year. You know, they came yeah. across your desk and we only had this many NCRs. That means our rate is this, because believe me, purchasing agents sometimes don't have time to de delve into that they know the onesie twosies but they don't know the overall picture so those are some things that again you control that gap on both ways and make sure your company knows who are the important people are yeah. in the company and what to do tell, tell people what an ncr is ah non-conformance report sorry yeah about yeah that's okay i got it I'm, I guarantee you there's people out there that are like, oh, I'm not sure what he's talking about. <laughs> so, all right, so let's get a little deeper into the weeds here. Uh, interrupt me if you have one, Paul, but I'm going to throw one out. How not to suck when you're dealing with your boss or how not to suck when you're dealing with your colleagues. I, I teed you up there. Give me some, give me something. Well, you, you can't be afraid to talk about, as as we've often said, the elephant in the room, right? And you don't have to do it confrontational. You need to do it in a manner that's constructive. And, you know, I always use the, I, what, whatever I approach problems, or even when I approach, you know, new business or taking people at my company and our customers come, you want to pull them through the process. Process. You don't want to push them. You know, Bill mentioned that with, he said, it's like a string, right? He said, mm -hmm. if you go one end of the string and you, 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 you push on it, it crumples and it, reels up right he said the other way you grab it yeah and every everything comes along with it so i think that's a, a very important part yeah and i've had salespeople uh how not to suck right uh, they, they don't fit in they they don't get promoted they're not really doing well they they get negative feedback and they'll always, well, at least this person one time told me, he said, well, I'm hitting numbers. I'm hitting numbers. I'm kicking tail. I'm up 30%. And in their mind, they think all it, all that matters is I'm hitting numbers. And they're setting things on fire, pissing people off, you know, alienating people, being rude, whatever. And, well, it doesn't matter because I'm hitting numbers. And I told this person one time, I'm like, listen, have you ever thought about your colleagues and how you're seen amongst the group? And he didn't He didn't have an answer. He's like, he was oblivious. So I can tell you now that I've done this a long time, uh, and so have you, there are people out there that are jerks. And even though they hit numbers, they're not respected by their colleagues they're not really even respected by their boss. They're just kind of this lone wolf that goes out and does their... Now, it's nice to have numbers. Trust me, we want to hit numbers in life. It's nice to have revenue, right, Paul? But I think there's a way to do it where you can hit numbers and not be a jerk. What do you think? 
I absolutely agree with you. And sometimes the numbers, you know, when you look at the numbers, all numbers aren't the same, right? You and I know from being in this business, when you sell to certain OEMs, let's take a Caterpillar, right? A Caterpillar is going to run, it used to be in the old days, they'd run. You said OEM, tell people what that means. Uh, original equipment, manual. See, I got to keep you honest. He's, he's, Paul's done this so long, he just throws out OEM, MCR, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, they, their business would go strong for five years and then dip down for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, it never comes back in gradual. It spikes, right? So the sales guy's numbers are often huge, right? And And that's good. But what else is happening today? The term is wallet share, right? What's your wallet share of that company? Are you sales numbers are good, but are, are you just selling a single product when there could be seven or eight other products you can bring into that customer? So those are some things you got to look at as well. Yeah. I mean, and if you are the person that just got a sales job and you're, you know, you're inexperienced and young, think about, it goes to what somebody said it began with the end in mind. The people that get looked at and get promoted. I mean, you and I can write a book on this. It's not just hitting numbers. It's how do they play with others? How do they play with customers? How do they handle situations? Do they over talk? Do they collaborate? Are they a team player? That's the type of, those are the attributes that we look for, right, Paul? Absolutely. That's extremely important. Will others, uh, you know, follow you as you, you try to change some processes and do it? And sometimes, you know, you, you and I know you do this with your team, is you, you welcome debate, right? And you want them to have the confidence when, you, when they don't agree with their boss to give yeah. an opinion, not override them, but at least give an opinion. And, and if it's an improvement, I think it's uh, something that should be brought up. Absolutely. Yeah. Collaboration, consensus, involvement, all that stuff is super critical. What else comes to mind, Paul, on how not to suck? I mean, just think about salespeople, what they do, what, you know, you've seen out there. How else can you not suck? If What advice would you give people? I think one one that uh, has helped me a, along the way, Tom, is is you don't when you're at a customer and you're you're trying to get that business. Success isn't just getting the order that day. So what I'm saying here is, I've often started with a customer when I've when I've noticed that. Let's say you're trying to unseat a long term competitor that's been there. Start as a second source. Don't be afraid to use that word. Say, you know what? I understand you're dealing with ABC company and uh, they've been doing a good job for you, but we'd like to also, you know, let you look at our, our product and I'm going to send you in a sample of that. And maybe you could look at us as a second source. If yeah. Then you have problems. That and makes, I, yeah. I, I've gotten uh, a lot of success out of that. So uh, you just made me think about something. Uh, I, I've, I've, Gosh, I guess I'm old. I've done this so long. <laughs> I was thinking about different situations. I was up in Seattle one time with a person that was beating their head against the wall. And I was asked to go up there and mentor and help this person. I'll never forget this. It's just one of the, my favorite stories. So I'm in the car with this person pre-call, right? 
And this person's like, wait, well, let's just go in. I said, no, let's take five minutes. I want to download, right? So this is step one. They didn't even do a pre-call. You could tell. <laughs> Had their brochures. I'm ready to go. I have a copy. Okay, let's go, you know. And I said, no, let's slow down. Let's talk about the history. What's going on here? Tell me about this. You know, and I was already coaching this person, right? And we get done. And I said, you're not going to say a word today. I'm leading this. And the person looked at me like, man, you're kind of a jerk. I'm like, no. I said, You've already told me that you have gotten nowhere with this person. Give me a shot at it and you just watch. So we go in there and it's an entrepreneurial guy and he is just fine. I mean, I could tell he was one of these type A, just, you know, three, three cell phones and five fax machines and four computers. You know what I'm saying? He was just wound up and we go in there. And the first thing I did was, you know, all the normal stuff. And I said, listen, I know you're busy. I, there's no way I'm going to sit here and just talk about my product all day. But if you just have a minute, I'd like to know about how this all gets started. This place is amazing. And I could see him kind of like already shift. And he he said, well, I'm the third generation and my grandpa did this and da-da-da. He pulled out a picture. And all of a sudden, it was this emotional connection with him. All of a sudden, he wanted to tell me, I'm not going to screw this up. And I'm the third generation. So I knew I kind of had him, right? So he starts doing this and 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 you know, he's he won't stop talking. And I'm sitting there thinking about everything he's telling me and I'm reading him and all this stuff. And then we we get into it a little bit more and I, I ask him more about the you know widgets or whatever. And I then again he just starts telling me, I mean, everybody wants to tell their story. And I kept asking him about, you know, tell me this, tell me this, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more about this. How long have you done this job? What's your, and maybe like throw in occasionally, what's your biggest, you know, uh, what's your biggest issue right now? What's the thing in your business that's the biggest challenge, biggest friction point in your operation? And again, and at the end of it, I mean, it was 45 minutes, Paul. He looks at me and says, now, wait a minute. You guys are here to sell some stuff, right? I'm like, no, not really. Uh, we just want to come by and visit with you and understand your business. And we need to understand your business before we even crack our brochures open. So today's really just understanding who you are and what your challenges are. And he's like, well, you got to tell me how you can help me, right? And now he was begging me. To tell him a solution, Paul. Hugely important. So we get down to it. And I said, I don't know if this will help you, but one thing we do is X, Y, Z. Or maybe we try this. And this guy, and I'm not looking for a gold star here, but I'm just making a point. So we get back in the car, right, with this person, the salesperson. And it was actually a lady. And she said, I hate you. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I'm so mad right now. I don't even want to make any more calls with you today. I said, I don't understand. She goes, I've been in there 10 times and the guy's a complete jerk. And now he's eating out of your hand and I'm probably going to get an order and get all the credit. I'm like, all right, I know you're upset. Let's go get a coffee. But did you learn anything? <laughs> right? So... I mean, it was it was a classic example of how this person was just approaching things, just had no idea 
and wondered why they weren't getting results. What do you think, Paul? You know what? It, and I'm glad you really brought that up because I think that is one of the most important parts of a sales call. Most people, engineers, purchasing people, want to tell you their story. And they will. And I think it just it creates that bridge right off the bat when you sit there. And and again, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about, but common sense is as a so you don't suck. Listen. Listen. Yeah. Ask good questions. What are your questions? I mean, think about it. Pre-call plan. What questions am I, what are my go-to questions in here? And, and really drill down in them. And the other thing, the other tip I would give people is, what if you were this person and some jackass came in there and wanted to sell you something? How would you want to be treated? Have, yep. have you ever thought about that? Like, do you want to be that guy that just vomits and let me tell you about my widget? Or would you rather listen and understand what, I mean, this is stupid, but I've had people come to my door selling peanuts stuff, you know, nuts, peanuts, whatever. And they're just, or maybe it's Girl Scout cookies. And I'll, this is one of my favorite things to do. And it's kind of mean, but they'll get through their pitch. And I'm like, I'm allergic to peanuts. Oh, or I'm diabetic. I can't eat cookies. Oh, uh, you know what I'm saying? So the point I'm making is I went to uh, an embarrassing thing. I went to a guy one time up in the Northeast and I'm trying to do all this stuff. And I get in there and, and he was kind enough to give me 10 minutes and I'm going through my pitch like an idiot. And he looks at me, and goes, you realize we make windshields here, right? We don't make cranes. I'm like, uh, there's nothing I can sell you. He's like, yeah, I'll show you to the door, man. It was nice meeting you. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, uh, you're selling a pencil. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we just don't even, we're so crazy zealous going in. We don't even realize there's not even a need. Exactly. Right. So uh, what about, I thought about this. Okay. So this is very important. There are times that somebody will have time and open up and give you 30, 45 minutes, right? That's awesome. That's what you're looking for. What about, and I have, I have my thoughts, but I'm going to ask you this. What do you do if you go in and somebody's just freaking out busy and they, they just, you can tell they just don't have a millisecond to spend with you. What do you do? That's a great chat. You know, and I'm going to go from the pre-call thing when you call the guy to say, you know what, I, you know, I'd like to meet with you and talk about the product. And a lot of times he'll go, you know, what? I'm so busy. I, I, I really can't put away time. And, you know, what, what do you really need? And I'd say, you know what, it, really all I need is 10 minutes of your time unless you have questions. And, and that's worked for me in some, in, in some cases. Um, I don't know, Tommy, I, I, I'm going to bow to your experience on that one. When you, when you face that customer right across the desk that wants to. What, I, what I've found, if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the big picture, let's say it's a, an account that you know that you're responsible for, for the next five years. If, if you, if you're looking at that setup, right, you know, that this not a one shot deal. Okay. So that's kind of important. The context, if it's a long-term account deal versus if it's just a one-time door-to-door salesperson. So let's pretend it's a long-term development 
I have found, Paul, if you respect that person to say, let's just pretend it's you. Paul, it's obvious you're busy right now. You got fires. I'm out of here. I'll, I'll swing back next week and visit with you. Does that sound cool? Maybe we can grab lunch because I know you got to eat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. So I've done this before. And I've had customers actually call me two days later and say, man, I've never had a salesperson do that. I think that's cool that you, you know, you were selfless and just got out of my office because most salespeople keep pushing me. And so in my experience, I, I don't try to win the war right there on one call. I just, I try to read the person and recognize, you know what? This is not the right time to get this guy just got a call from his wife. His kids just, just, you know, got kicked out of grade school. And, you know, his, one of his employees just, you know, fell off a ladder and I'm over here trying to sell him a widget. So that's been my approach. Now, if it's a one and done, you got to get the deal, you know, let's, let's go there a minute. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or are you going to keep rambling? No, I'm going to let you ramble on that one. Cause you covered that last one really well. Tom. So if it's a one and done deal, let's say you're a door to door salesperson or, you know, you're at a trade show or something or something where, you know, that you, you've got a finite window then you have to change, in my opinion, you have to change your approach, right? Different context. Again, pre-call plan. What are, what are you doing here? In my in my experience with that, I try to I try to get through it quickly. Hey, I know you don't have any time. I'm gonna have to jump right to it. This is what we do. Here's the value of our, what we offer. And you know, I'd like to have your business. And, and then you start closing early. What do you think? Would you you want the blue one or the white one? Uh, give them choices. Well, I'll take the white one. Okay, cool. When do you want it? Next week? Okay, I got you. As a matter of fact, I've got one right here. So it's a different deal. I don't think that's reality of what we're talking about today. Oh. I think what we talk what we're talking about today is an account manager, the longer process. So I don't want to chase that one too much, just because I don't think. Most of our audience is not going to be door-to-door salespeople. Now, I've done door-to-door sales. I did it in college, and uh, that's another. That's for another day. <laughs> My first six years in school were Catholic schools, so guess what we were doing? Door-to-door, calendars, peanut brittle, <laughs> S&H green stamps. I mean, we were selling stuff all the time. So well, it's funny. I, we might as well just touch on on. I, in college, I, I sold uh, cable TV door to door. One of the funniest things, Paul, ever. I'm out summertime banging the streets, going. I mean, literally door to door selling HBO and Cinemax and stuff. And I go to this guy's house, and it's summertime. Doors are all open. He's got only a pair of shorts on, just hammered, drunk, drinking a Coors or something. And I walk in there, Mister Sales Guy, and I'm talking to him. And this is kind of graphic, but I'm talking to him, and I can tell he's something's going on. He's wetting himself in the recliner, like literally wetting himself. <laughs> he needed a the pins. I'm not kidding. I took my business card and just kind of slid it over on his chair and said, uh, what do you think about this? I'll catch up with you later. I've never in my, it was insanity. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just one story. Another one is I was door to door and I'm in a good mood skipping and stuff. I turned the corner. I'm not kidding. Doberman Pincher, no leash on the front porch, just immediately goes after me. I jump on top of this guy's truck. I'm not kidding. I was young, right? I was at, you know, at those back in those days, I could jump over a car, whatever. But I got up on top of his truck and he comes out all pissed off. He's like, what are you doing? I said, uh, this is called survival. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be your dog's lunch. And he just started laughing. He's like, Oh my God, I sent him out here for a second. I'm really sorry. He wound up buying from me, you know. <laughs> so uh I mean I could go on and on, but that's not the point of today. It's how not to suck. Uh, but it's interesting now that I think about this. My one of my first jobs literally in sales was a telemarketer for the the, the uh, cable company and I went in there and I, I think this is just when I knew I had something I go in there and I start kicking tail you know on closing deals over the phone it was all about upgrades and stuff and I, I led the team first week and, and the manager pulls me off to the side and they're like I don't know what you're doing but you're all these other people are pissed because you're tripling your closure rates I'm like I, I, I said I don't even know what I'm doing so, so he said, well, I'm going to listen in on some of your stuff and try to pick up on some stuff. So I did my thing and we get done and the sales manager looks at me and says, you're not even following the script. I gave you a script and you're not following it. And then I said, well, do you think maybe that's why I'm closing deals? <laughs> well, how am I supposed to get these people to do that? I said, all I'm doing is trying to understand, connect with the person. I'm not. I'm just trying to make it personable. Yeah. Oh, can you do some training on that? So that's another thing that I have found, Paul, and I think we'll close out the podcast with this, is you have to somehow, how, I need to learn how to talk today, you have to somehow learn or know how to connect with the other person. I mean, I've talked to salespeople when they're struggling and they're so consumed with other things. And I'm sitting there thinking, are you connecting with the people? People buy from people. What do you think, Paul? Absolutely. You know, I've been lucky enough, Tommy, and you mentioned being in this business a long time. I have people today that were, uh, you know, former previous customers that we're still friends today. We get together. If I go, I'm in their area, I call them up and we have a few cocktails together and we have a lot of fun. Or I've had some come over to where I live today and we've done some things, gone out and had dinner with our wives and, and things. I, I just, and I think, you know, in the end, you got to like people. You got to love people. You you got to want to have that yeah. interaction to be really interested. In That's right. Sitting across from you. Don't fake it because they'll know. Yeah, curiosity. And what uh, I is you learn, right, Tom? I mean, you learn. I, you go that's into, the fun part about it. You go into every situation. I don't care whether it's a customer or an engineer or, or people in your own company. Go in with the attitude you want to learn something. No, you got to be curious. You got to really be curious. And, and the other thing I would say is don't be fake. I mean, it's got to be off, genuine. You, you don't want to be some cheesy, I read a book, how to connect with people. 
Now, if you need to read a book on that, that's fine. But, you know, I found, and and this is true, I got to be Tom. I I mean, I got to be, I know who I am. You know, I mean, people like that. They like that I'm different. I'm weird. I'm different. I'm, you know, I'm Tom. People like Paul. What, what, you know what I'm saying? So don't be afraid to be who you are and people will gravitate towards you. They may laugh and make fun of you, but that that's a good thing because that means they probably like you. Right, Paul? Absolutely. I mean, I've had, I've had guys tell me, and I'm not, again, I'm not looking for a gold star, but the podcast today is about how not to suck. I've had people call me and say, you're more expensive. I don't know why the heck I'm doing it, but I think I just, because I like you, Tom, and I want to, I don't want to buy from some jerk, you know, and I'm sure I've had the opposite where I was the jerk. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure I've screwed things up and, and uh, been in situations where I was talked about as the jerk and I lost the order and I didn't even think about it. I probably thought it was too high. So I can't, the point here, how not to suck is, you you have to somehow connect with the other person or you're probably not going to get the business. Well, you brought up something there too, Tom, kind of indirectly. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And don't be afraid. I mean, that's we see too many people out there don't want to make a mistake, but that's that's how you gain your experience. That's how you gain your knowledge. I mean, that's one thing that you can build on. Well, today was uh how not to suck. So as a salesperson or maybe as a husband or wife or a manager or whatever. So thanks for listening today. Spread the word. Be sure to subscribe to our show. Please share with your friends and family and uh, old bulls at outlook.com old bulls at outlook.com. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Have a nice day.